second. Hold on a second. I need a little more energy this morning. I know it's a late night, but come on, y'all. Help me out a little bit. Where y'all at? I got some free stuff out here. Anybody want a free T-shirt? Come on, right here. All right, how about that right there? And then one more way back there. Ugh. All right, now let's go ahead and get it right out of the way right up front. Speaking of a dream Sunday, how about a dream Saturday night when we hear this glorious sound? Go ahead, roll the track. Come on, how about them tigers, y'all? Come on, y'all, one more time. All right, good. The reason I had to get it out of the way, because listen, I know this is the hangover Sunday of all hangover Sundays, all right? So thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are watching, but we are so excited. It was awesome. It's been a long time, man. We get to celebrate that big win. It was a dream last night to watch that happen. And we're so excited. When I saw Brian Kelly crying, I knew we were in trouble. I was like, man, he cried at the end. Like, man, it's just good to bring the magic back to Tiger Stadium. So thanks for getting up and thanks for coming to church. So all of those people who prayed for a win last night, thanks for getting to church. Because God answered, all right? So now it's a time for you to pay attention. And we're going to kind of go through this quickly because I got a lot to cover today. But I am super excited about this message and this series we're launching a new series today. It's called Thanksgiving, and it's all about gratitude. When you're thankful, it is real easy to give. And that's what we're going to talk about as we walk through this. But I'm going to start giving you a little bit of history. If you happen to be new to the Simple Church, and you're kind of walking through, you know, hey, man, what's this church all about, and what's the history? I'm going to give you a little bit of a glimpse, because the partner party is right after this hour upstairs. So if you've never been, you want to check it out. You don't have to join, but you at least get to answer a lot of your questions. It's going to be in Red River Boardroom starting about 1030. As soon as the service over, I'll get up there and we'll kind of walk through that. But a little bit of history. I dreamed, speaking of Dream Sunday, about 15 years ago of this happening. I was hoping, praying that God would answer our prayers and the dream would come true of launching a church. And I put a bunch of pictures together just to kind of show you. Here's the first Sunday when we uh, launched down at the theater down there, we unloaded this trailer, had one trailer. Now there's three semis of equipment just to give you an idea. But the first service, this is a picture from the first service, a little bit dark, but hopefully you can still see it. About 200 people showed up that day, and we were like, man, this is the best day ever, having a good time. There was the hallway. I found this picture of me out in the hallway with Calvin, uh, and here's the irony. I'm closing my eyes. I don't know if I was praying or scared to death, but probably a little of both, but Calvin's still volunteering to this day, just an amazing volunteer 15 years later. But this was the thing that really got me. Congratulations on your grand opening. Of course, we would have cake at a grand opening, right? Big fat guy's always going to eat, but the reason I put this in here is because you're going to see a little bit of a theme through this month, talking about food and meeting needs and helping people, uh, because it really is a big deal to us. And one way we celebrate in America is with food. It's just what we do. We celebrate by going, man, let's enjoy something good to eat and enjoy the moment that, that really is maybe a one-of-a-kind or a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that's why the grand opening cake was a big deal to me even then. Because the dream was this, what could be and what should be. When it comes to church, the whole idea was, is could it be different and should it be different? And in the beginning, that was what we hoped and dreamed would happen. And as we started navigating that, we even came up with series. And I found this bulletin cover from one of the first series we did. It's called Don't Go to Church, uh, But Be the Church. That was a bulletin cover. We used to hand out bulletins when you walked in. And that was a little bit of a controversial thing for people. They were like, what do you mean don't go to church? Well, the idea was is that church would be bigger than this room. What could be and what should be is that we would look at problems out in the world and we'd go, let's be a part of solving those problems. And so this next little picture collage I'm going to play for you is some of the serving opportunities that you did. And all red, back in the day, we were painting in homes in Shreveport. We were handing out food and clothes in downtown Shreveport. Over the years, backpacks to schools, shoes for kids. There were so many different things that we were doing. We even washed feet of children in our own community. Handed out all kind of great times, including doing Christmas gifts for kids. And then Dakota, a little baby battling cancer. When I asked you to go out into the community and you know, do their flower beds and love them, you did it. And I was thinking, man, you know what could be is that the church would be beyond the walls of this building. What should be is we shouldn't be just in here singing songs and praying together. As powerful as those things can be is that those songs and that prayer would lead us into action out in the community. And over the years, we simplified this whole idea to just two words, just solve problems. Shouldn't the church be known for solving problems instead of just singing or messages when people, I love our preacher, or, oh, I love our band, or I love our worship building? All of those things can be great. 
But what we dreamt of 15 years ago is that you and I would work together through the power of God to move beyond the walls of a building. It would not just be about singing. It would not be about just preaching. It would be you and I meeting needs and solving problems in this community and ultimately around the world. Bill Allred, one of our dear friends, a longtime educator in Bossier Parish, uh, worked for, uh, you know, I can't even count how many years, retired there, now works at a bank over in Bossier. Just a great friend and a dear friend. And early on in that dream series, Bill came and he goes, man, I've ran across this statement and I think it applies to who we are. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, well, here it is. If the simple church was not here, would we be missed? It was this idea that if you just stop singing and messages, most people go, well, there's so many people doing that and great people in our community doing that. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be missed. I'm not that great of a preacher. You know, our band really is awesome. But if that's all it is, is music and singing, then it probably wouldn't be missed. But what if we solve so many problems in our community that if we were to be gone, if it were to disappear tomorrow, people would go, what happened to them I had these needs, like for example, when I talked about putting shoes on the feet of children that had no shoes right here in our own public schools, or backpacks, or feeding them, or there's so many different things, or helping children battling cancer. You think of all these different things, this is really the call that I believe God really put on our life as a church. So then I start walking through, even in the early years of like, what would it take for us to be missed? What if we solve problems and what if we even just start with small problems? And I thought back and went back and looked at some of the first problems that we solved in the early days of Simple Church. And here's a picture. This is actually John Fulco, Randy, and Ann. This is at Bozier Elementary when we started our first food box program. And that was where we would just get names from local schools of kids that were in a bind. And during the holidays, we would hand deliver these boxes. I looked at the Davidsons there and, and, and Laura, and there's my kids. Let's let you know. That's Hannah. She was the one singing up on stage. So it's been a while ago. Let you know. Emma, Ian, we're all out there. Why? Because I wanted our kids to know. I wanted the generations behind us to know that church is not just about coming in here and singing and preaching. As awesome as those things can be, really the church is at its best when we're meeting needs in the community and solving problems that many people just don't see or get overlooked. Well, it moved from our own local community to our first mission trip ever was to Alaska. I'll show some pictures from it. That's not a bad place to go, but this is what shocked us. When we went up to Alaska, we were going up to do a vacation Bible school up in Alaska uh, to meet some needs up there. There's Jessica. All of them were just doing an amazing job. But the thing that shocked us more than anything else is when we got up there that the number one need was not the projects that we were doing, although that was important. It was that there was a food problem. That in Alaska, in America, there were kids and families that were starving. So there we go. What did we do? We took them some cake once again. Just to remind them, hey, we know. We hear some real food. But then, man, let's celebrate. Because when we went, this young lady right here, it was her birthday. And she had no food in her trailer, no way to feed her kids, and no way to celebrate her birthday. I'm telling you, I can go back to that moment. It was one of the most powerful moments because the church was alive and active. Not inside the walls. But outside the church, and that goes a long way back. That was the first mission trip we ever took in the history of Simple Church. And I'm thinking, God, all right, God, don't let me lose that. Don't let me lose that. Help me to keep seeing it. Keep showing me. And then I ran across this passage of Scripture, and I want to share it with you, John 17, 18. You want to know why it's a big deal? Jesus said in the same way that you gave me a mission to the world, Jesus turns around and says, I'm giving you, them, us, a mission to the world. And then my whole thought process there was the world? I mean, what can we do for the world? I mean, I thought the mission of the church was, as I've stated over and over again, to stand up and sing or to sit down and listen. That's kind of what it's about. That's our mission, right? But let's all be honest. That gets old, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that why church gets boring? Isn't that why you're, guys, is this really all there is? Because here's the challenge. If you and I are in here and we're following Jesus, isn't the ultimate goal for all of us to make a difference? That's why you wake up. It's because you're thinking in your mind like, man, I don't want to just go through. I don't want to move. I want to move beyond standing up and singing and sitting down and listening. I want to make a difference. I want to be able to look back and go, man, when I look at my life and someone stands up to talk about me when my funeral happens, then I make a difference. If the church is gone tomorrow, will they look back and go, man, they made a huge difference in this world. So then there's this weird 
paradoxical situation that's happening because you're going, all right, I want to make a difference, but can I stay safe and comfortable doing this? Isn't that the way it is for us? It's like, okay, listen, that's why our churches are comfortable. That's why we build big churches and everybody tries to make everything as safe and as comfortable as possible. Now, comfortable is relative because when I grew up, it wasn't always comfortable. Anybody remember those wooden benches? Come on. Not so comfortable, but it did help stay awake, you know. But then we moved in the theater. Here's what happened. That was what I'm talking about. Right now, you are going, why can't we go back, you know? You're willing to give something like this because that's the whole thing. Is like, hey, man, we have recliners, cup holders. When we moved from the theater over here, everybody was mad because they're like, we're going to put my drink because we were so used to cup holders. For years, we were in the theaters, all of them, Shreveport's Theater, both of them over in Bossier. And then we moved over here. We were challenging. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. And it's kind of silly because it was just like you're not going to have a place to put your drink. But really what I was saying and what I believed, if the dream were to be real, if we were to fulfill the dream, I was going to push you to be even more uncomfortable I was going to push you to where safety was not your number one goal of, I just got to be safe. It was like, no, my number one goal is to follow Jesus. And then I look at Mark 8, and this is why. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. See, this is not very popular in church. We don't really talk about this a lot because nobody wants to throw away their life. You want to do what you want to do. You have a plan for yourself. You have retirement. You have career. You want to, you know, rest, relax. The idea is to get as comfortable as possible. I mean, financially, physically, you're like, I don't want to have to go into anything. But here, this is what's very challenging. It's just going on. It's like, hey, this idea that if I'm going to follow Jesus, it's never safe or comfortable. See, this is the part that's very difficult for us to grab a hold of. This is why when we were going to Alaska, everybody was, oh, hey, we're going to Alaska, I'll go. But then as soon as we said Mexico, particularly Juarez, everybody's like, I can't do that. Or if we're going, hey, we're going to Haiti, oh, no, we can't do that. Or Rwanda, Africa, I'm not going to fly that far over there. I mean, I don't know about all that. But then as you start going to look back at Scripture, you see things like this, Matthew 6, I mean, 10, 6, excuse me, stay alert. This is the hazardous work I'm signing you to. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. And that's pretty, you know, descriptive. This is the idea that we're not supposed to be looking for safe and comfortable. We're supposed to be saying, Jesus, where do you want me to go? This is not just for an elect few. This is not just for the missionaries, the crazy people, the pastors. This is for his followers. And that's why when we'd ask you to come to Shreveport or we'd even go somewhere into a neighborhood that you aren't comfortable with, I was like, hey, come help us serve the neighbor. I just don't know if I can do that. Well, It's not really me asking you to do that. That really is what Christ is calling us to do. And what I have discovered, 53 years of living and now 30 plus years of ministry, the reason we launched Simple Church is because I got frustrated, fed up with a church that would just say in our mind, and I'm not talking about a particular church, I'm talking about the big church, that we cast this vision and this dream of it's all about us. Make sure your kids are comfortable. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you love the preacher. Make sure you love the music. And your idea of following Jesus is when you find that place to just go, ah, I'm home. I found it. And the truth that I am working through and still am working through is that if you're going to follow Jesus, there is always a cost to following Jesus. It's not about your comfort. And you go, well, Justin, are you really sure about this? And this is why I'm glad you woke up. I'm glad you're tuning in today. All the way in Frisco over there. Let me pay attention, North Dallas. Pay attention, everybody in the Shreveport, Bossier area. And wherever you're at, Vatacudas, St. Louis, Hawaii, Washington, wherever you're watching from, Arizona, pay attention. Luke 14, 33. You must leave everything you have to follow me. If not, you cannot be my follower. Yes, I mean, that ain't, that's not a really good you know, uh, slogan. That's not a good sermon series. Hey, drop everything you have. That's the only way you can follow me. But Jesus didn't mince his words, right? I went ahead and put in the message translation to really make it clear. Luke 14, 33, message translation. Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether it's your plans or your people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Yikes. Some of you are already going, well, wait a second. Why would I do that? Why would I drop my plans? Because listen, we all have plans. You have retirement plans. You have vacation plans. This is why some people miss today. Like, we got a plan to be the game. We got a plan to do this. It's like, I'm not going to drop all that stuff. And listen, I'm not saying this. I'm talking about what he's saying. 
This is why I struggle with it just like you struggle. And this is why the church avoids it because it doesn't really grow the church. Many times it's so narrow, so difficult, we stay away from it. But let me tell you, when I start looking at all these different things and I look back at my life, and if you're asking why would I do it, let me tell you why I've done it. Not all enough. I still have more to do. But let me tell you what happened every time I did kiss my plans or my people or whatever goodbye because Jesus took me to places that I never thought I would be and he'd do the same for you I never thought I'd be on the stage I never thought there'd be any people here I never thought I'd be doing anything that's just in this world I'm gonna show you more but I never thought that I would be doing this and this is the problem is you don't you have bigger dreams for your own life for your own kids or is it just to sit in a comfortable church and look back and go well we just rode that thing out or is it, no, I, there's got to be more to this. There, there has to be more. Well, when you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. It's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be hazardous. But let me tell you, you're going to be seeing places and doing things you never thought you would do. Because that's the second thing. You'd be doing stuff that you're, I can't believe we're doing this. That's why everybody gets nervous. We're launching a campus over in North Dallas. And everybody gets real nervous. How are we going to do this? Well, you've got to be doing things you've never done before. You gotta be willing to take the risk. You gotta be willing to get in. You gotta be willing to just keep pushing forward. It doesn't make sense. It's following Jesus really doesn't make sense because they left everything. When they left everything, they were going on this crazy adventure. The next thing I know, they were seeing things they'd never seen and they were doing things they'd never done. And then for me, I've experienced things that I never thought I would experience. Experiencing things you never thought you would experience. Think about this. Has your life in Christianity been so predictable and so boring that if somebody were to go, well, what's it been like? Well, we kind of sat in church while I really stretched myself and I led a Sunday school group in the safety and comfort of room 403. But I tell you, it got aggravated when the donuts were cold. I told them, no more cold donuts. This is my life. You already know it, I already know it. It got real uncomfortable when someone walked in in jeans and I was used to slacks. How in the world could that young person walk in with jeans? Flip-flops, shorts, no way. Hat, no way. We don't wear that in here. That was uncomfortable for me. That's what we kind of do in our modern Christian world. It's like, no, Jesus is like, man, no. I'm talking about taking you places you never thought you'd go. I'm talking about you experiencing things you never thought you would experience. I'm talking about doing things you never thought you would do. As one of my friends says in my life, room, hey, Justin, I'm just living the dream, bro. Here's what happens with us. You ready? I found this shirt. Ready? Living the dream. Well, plan B. That's what happens. And I don't want you to have a plan B. I want you to live the dream that Jesus himself has planned for all of us. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, let me go back to my life real, real briefly. When I was growing up, I grew up in Shreveport. Grew up in South Shreveport. Started over at Warner Park. My dad got AT&T job, man, with Western Electric at the time. We moved to South Shreveport. We were, man, I'm talking about Jefferson's. Moving on up, son. We had carpet, a shower, and air conditioning. Can I get an amen? We thought, man, this is the best as it gets. Our, our house was 900 square feet. That's no exaggeration. We thought it was a mansion. But here's the thing. My parents and my dad didn't have a lot of money. My mom cleaned houses for a living. My dad worked at Western Electric. Western Electric. So we never went on vacation. We never had vacation. We never traveled. The furthest we went was Dung Beach. Now you're going, where is Dung Beach? Exactly. When you have a beach named after doo-doo, that's not good. <laughs> that's in Louisiana. My dad's like, we're going to Dung Beach. I'm like, doo-doo beach? This is what it looked like when you'd get there. Those are signs, but it'd be like, swimming hazard. Public advised not to swim due to the presence of all related chemicals. My dad, we did a podcast this past week. He was in town. He's 82 years old. He's like, well, I didn't think it was a big deal when we was picking up them big old blobs. There were old blobs on the beach. I'm like, dad, this was our vacation. That was what we did. It's like, man, we slept in the camp on the back of the truck. Old school. Miserable. I'm telling you, I was like, man, this is vacation. This is what it is. And here's what's crazy. I never thought I'd ever be able to go on vacation. I never thought I'd ever see anything. But here's what's crazy. When I really followed Jesus where he asked me to go, he allowed me to live out my own dreams. And I didn't even know that. I was like, there's no way. 
This is just some more pictures I want to show to you. This is the Haiti. Ain't it fun? Ain't it fun? Ain't it fun? Jumping on rocks. And I'm thinking to myself, could I really do this? Is it possible to see the faces, to see the impact, to shake the hands, to see the most beautiful places in the world? Daniel's playing drums. He's went gone with it. Some of you are like, I don't think I could ever do that. No, because you don't want to leave. You don't want to see the beauty of the world. You're like, I just want to stay here. I'm scared to death. I'm telling you, following Jesus is full of adventure and life and joy. And if you stay in the comfort, you'll never experience it. I pulled this picture of my boy Putt, owns Putman Restoration over in Shreveport. Go back, sorry, go back one more cat. When we got out in Haiti and we just swam out in the ocean, all the kids jumped out there and started playing with us. I was like, this is what I'm talking about. And then if you're going, well, is that it? No, that's just Haiti. That was just a, and I, I couldn't believe I'd ever go there. And next thing I know, we're there. But then we go down to Guatemala and you're going, man, I've never traveled anywhere. Dude, I went to Dung Beach, I want to remind you. And you have an image like this where we're standing on top of a volcano. And that is our group, a bunch of college athletes. We're doing baseball clinics all across Guatemala. And then I have a video for you. and I'm going to let it play. I'm going to let the lights go dim just because I want you to really see it. Because if you would told me I was going to do this, I'd say, there ain't no way that will ever happen. Because we got to roast marshmallows on a volcano. What? Watch. Look at that right there. Roasted marshmallows on a volcano. It is, it was a good day. So you go from Haiti to Guatemala and then to Honduras. We get on this boat. We ride out to Snake Island. We snorkel out around this beautiful island. All of us loaded up. Why are we down there? To drill water wells for people who don't have water. Why are we in Haiti? To sponsor kids that don't have any food. Why are you in Guatemala? To spread the gospel. And here's the thing. All of it dangerous, all of it risky, absolutely. But let me tell you something. I was doing things I never thought I'd do, experiencing things I never thought I'd experience, seeing things I never thought I'd see, and living the dream. But can I take you back to where it all really started? That's just in the more recent times, in the last 15 years. Those are just little snapshots. But let me tell you where it started. It started right about the same time we started the Simple Church. Because in 2007, Simple Church launched, and in 2009, I went to our friends, and I was like, man, I got a crazy dream. And they're like, what's that? I was like, dude, I want to go to Africa. Now you go, well, why in the world do you want to go to Africa? I'll tell you why, because I'd never been. I'd always heard about it. I'd seen it on TV. I'd heard the horrific stories, but I'd also seen the beauty, and I was like, man, I want to do it. So it was very selfish on my part. It was part of my dream. The big dream was to see Africa in my lifetime. Never thought it would happen, never dreamed in my wild. Dude, remember, South Streetport to Dung Beach. That's all I've had. To go to Africa, there ain't no way it's going to happen. Well, guess what? God's like, it's going to happen. We hop on a plane, fly 24 hours or so, and we got giraffes getting in our selfies. Have you ever grabbed a giraffe by the neck? I have. Here's a picture of it right there. But let me tell you something. What was so selfish inside of me God humbled me, and God got my mind right, and he started straightening me out. And here's why I say that, because we're all selfish. Let's all admit it. That's part of what the deal is. The reason you sign up for these mission trips is because I show you the pictures. You're like, Haiti don't look too bad. Look at that Caribbean paradise. It is. Man, volcano? Absolutely. We have something in us. That's the American way. What's in it for me? How can I do something? I don't get But this is me too. But when I got to Africa, and this image is the one that rocked me. Hundreds and hundreds of kids living on the street. And their only meal was that single cup. And just like you bang an icy cup when you come down from icy, you know, go to 7-Eleven or Circle K and you get that icy, you don't get every drop out of that icy. So you bang it on the, you know, dash or on the steering wheel and you try to get out. I can still hear the banging of those cups on those wooden benches because they wanted every drop of food out of that cup. The next picture is where we look at it. You go, well, how come they're not smiling? Because they ain't got nothing to smile about, y'all. Look at me like a dummy American. Hey, y'all, I'm with these kids. And they're all going, you dumb American. As a matter of fact, they had a word for us called Mazungu Manini. And you go, what's Mazungu Manini? Fat white man. That's what that is. They say, Mazungu Manini, Mazungu Manini, Mazungu Manini. I'm like, man, what do they call him? And they're like, fat white guy. I'm like, okay, all right. 
But what I started realizing real quick is me and Brian and Donnie and Bill and all of us started feeding. There's another picture. We started feeding these kids. Man, something changes inside of you. You want to know why I'm messed up? You want to know why the Simple Church don't care about buildings? You know why I'm not sitting here going, man, the staff needs this or we need this? Is because when you start traveling on the world and you start getting out of your comfort zone or even a different neighborhood, you begin to go, man, something's messed up. When you see kids who have no food, have no parents, because you remember in Rwanda there was a genocide. One million people killed. We talk about how many people are killed in the States, and it's horrific. But you just go back into the 90s and go back in your mind for a second to think about one million people. That is everyone in Shreveport, Bossier, times three, murdered in less than 90 days. All of us would be gone. How many orphans? How many widows? How many broken lives? And the only reason I'd ever heard about it was a guy by the name of Bono. You too. I'm a music guy. You'll probably know that already. But I was like, man, I've heard about it, but I don't really know what's going on. I'd heard him talk about it at the National Prayer Breakfast where he had gotten up and gave this whole speech about what we should be doing. And that's why my vision for 2009 when we were going to Africa, I was like, man, we got to do something. The church can't just sit here and go, I don't care about that. We got to be a part of it. We got to solve the problem. And here is the scripture that messes with me still to this day. And I hope it messes with you enough to make you do something. You ready? James 4, 17. So then, if we do not do the good, where do we get do good from? Why don't we have a do good store? Why is it set up out in the lobby? Go, because they just like selling their product. No. Because every penny, all the proceeds go to solving problems. Why do we do it? Sponsorship day, why are we doing food packing next week? Why are we doing a water day the next day? Why are we doing, because if we do not do the good we know we should, then we're guilty of sin. And the truth is, I got enough sin in my life. I'm working on it, I'm not perfect, I am not where I need to be, I'm not where I want to be. But here's the part that messes with me. If I know that there are people starving, if I know kids don't have shoes, if I know kids can't go to school, if I know a genocide wiped out their parents and I just go, well, that's just too bad for them. I'm glad I don't live there. That's the problem with the American church. That's the problem with all of us is we just turn the channel. Or we find a church that don't talk about it. We find a church that will cater to what it is that we want to do. In the meantime, Jesus is going, man, what's wrong with us? What's happening here? So just like you, it messed with me. When I start seeing scripture like this, when I see the eyes of those children. And so what I did, I came home to my wife tearfully. Angels still tell you this day. That's when I was the most rocked. Because I'd never seen anything like this. We'd gone to Alaska and saw people starving. But 2009 was the first time we had gone out of the country. And I wept. And I said, we're not going to just sit back and do nothing. We're going to figure out what to do. And Angel's like, okay, what do we do? And I was like, well, we don't have a lot of money. Well, we can at least sponsor one kid. And everybody growing up, everybody's so skeptical. We're so like cynical in our generation. In the church is the worst. You're like, oh, here it comes. Let me tell you something. I get it. I am you. I understand the cynicism. I understand the idea of going, what's going on? But let me tell you about this little boy. I called him Oliver for four years. His name was Olivier. Pray for me, all right? But when I saw the picture, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, I'll take that kid. No real rhyme or reason. Just like, just give me one. But over the years, as we kept going back to Africa, I continued to see him grow. I continued to see him love us. They wrote letters. He began to tell us what it meant. Then I came back and I shared stories with you and you began to sponsor. I go back to the theater. And I don't know if you can tell or not, but this is one of the first ones that's got a dark picture. But Mr. Phipps is in there, by the way who's passed away now, but he was there helping on the table and all these different kids and all these different cards were out there and people picked him up. And from 2009 until 2022, in Africa alone, in Rwanda specifically, you sponsored over 436 kids. Let's give the Lord a little praise for that because that's awesome. And then many of you are like, man, one day I want to be able to go do this. I want to be able to go see it. And I asked you to go visit and you did. I'll just play the video. There's no sound. It's just you looking from the trips, going to on the trip. This is Marion and Jeff. That's different people, young people, old people. They begin to say, man, I'm going to be a part of it. The Cowleys, they're like, hey, I'm going to go. I want to go see it. And then you begin to get messed up like me. And then my baby. 
As I began to think about all these things, Hannah had seen the picture hanging on the wall for all these years. And then finally, this past year, 2021, she was able to go and meet Olivier. He's grown a little, can you tell? But why? Why would you do this? Why would you go through all this? Are you ready? Matthew 25, one of the most powerful scriptures you'll ever read that does not get enough attention or focus, but you're going to get it over this week. You're going to get it maybe even next week. I'm telling you the solemn truth, Jesus says, whenever you did one of these things, just one of these things, just someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it for me. Well, one of the things, what was Jesus talking about? This is Jesus speaking. When we did one of these things for somebody who's overlooked, what, who, what would we have done? Well, these, then he said to the righteous ones, you ready for this? Sir, when did we ever see you hungry? You want to know why it matters that you're sponsoring and trying to take care of food for somebody? It's because you're doing what Jesus asked you to do. When do we see you thirsty? We're going to do a water day coming up in a couple of weeks where we're going to get on Sunday. We're going to talk about why there's a water crisis. Why do we drill so many water wells in Honduras? And why these girls that are so amazing, you know, Haley and Brittany and all of them, Kenyon, they walk so many miles to raise money. Why do we do this? Because kids are thirsty. Families are thirsty. Why don't we do a food packing event next Sunday? Why don't we do sponsorship today? Because people are thirsty and they're hungry. And then it says, when did we clothe you? When did we take care of you when you're naked? Well, because here's the news. We're blessed. You have so many clothes in your closet. You have a pantry full of food, even in our bad economy. Go look at your closet. Go look at your pantry. And if you travel around the world, you begin to see a different light. You begin to see from a different perspective. And why do we talk about child sponsorship and why do I take a day to do it when everybody's like, you shouldn't do that. I grew up in church and they would never let any pastor or any group come in and talk about child sponsorship. It'll take money from the church. And it's true. Over a million dollars has been given by you into the country of Africa. And let me just go ahead and tell you this. Would we have loved to have some of that money to be able to do what we need to do in this town? Yeah, but you wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Because all you got to do is go to Africa to see what a difference it makes in the life of a child. Child sponsorship is powerful. And it does all of the things from feeding to providing food to providing water to providing clothes, all of these things. There's an image of what it covers just so that you can understand this is just a glimpse of what it does. But I know how images and all that stuff really doesn't do it for you. So you need a real story, don't you? Well, I got a real story for you. This just to help you to walk through the process of what it's really all about. This is Winnie. Someone, just like Olivier, who when he was sponsored, it changed everything. It helped him, helped her to dream. From Olivier to Winnie, here's a story of sponsorship. Watch. I couldn't believe my eyes. Even a few years later, the country looked dead. And the children? The children had no hope. We needed God to intervene. Rwanda has come so far since that horrible time. The country is self. The economy is growing. The people have hope but many children still live in poverty. The African New Life, we believe in transforming lives using two hands, the hand of the gospel and the hand of compassion. Transforming lives like winning. Amazing grace, how sweet. When I was young, I used to attend church service because mom told me to do so. I joined the choir. I came to know Jesus when I was very young. My upbringing was really hard because I lived with only my single mother. So we were around seven kids mom was taking care of. We didn't know we would wake up and go to school because we didn't know where the money would come from. By the time we met African New Life Ministry, my cousin's sisters got sponsored before me. It was a few months later, 
that Aunt Rebecca came back home. She was like, I need Mizer Wawini. You got sponsors from USA. They're going to be sponsoring you from today. So beginning next month, you're going to be in class. Come and take your uniforms, come and take your books, and go to school. I started thinking about my future. I was like, now I have to wake up and do something to myself. From then on, I had the mind of being a leader. I got into many clubs and I was a head girl too. That's how I joined the leadership team with John Africa. He encouraged me and said, when you can do it. In class, I wasn't the first. Mainly, I was always like the second, but when they came to national exam in grade 12, I was like, I have to make a difference. By the time the results came, I had one of my teachers and she said, you killed it. I mean, you nailed it. You managed to be the first in class. So I was really happy and I thank God for that. Now I'm joining the University of Rwanda, Queer Campus, and I'm going to do international relations and politics. I didn't know after I made Africa New Life, this would happen. I believed in God more than anything else. I am not going to stop here. Nothing is going to stop me. You have to work hard and change your history. Each child has an inherent dignity given to them by their maker. We believe when a child responds to the good news of Jesus, when they receive a quality education, and their health and communities are progressing, amazing transformation takes place. Sponsor a child today and transform a life. Join us in letting every child do found was bright but now I see Amen. Come on y'all give a little round of applause. Pretty awesome isn't it? Sponsorship helps children dream. It helps a child dream and what I have realized is over these last 15 years we actually got to experience those dreams becoming reality. Some want to be doctors, some want to be teachers, I can just tell you that hope is a powerful thing for people. When you're sitting there and you don't know where you're going to have your next meal, you don't know how it's going to survive, when someone comes in and says, we've got the food, we've got the water, we've got your education, they begin to dream, they begin to have hope. And Psalm 918 is a great passage, it just helps us out with this. It may seem that those who are poor and needy have been forgotten, but God will not forget them. He will not leave them without hope. Guess what? You provide that hope. See, God left us on the planet. He has blessed you. You have a lot to be thankful for. And out of that gratitude, you begin to provide hope and help children dream. And for 15 years, we've done that. We provided this dream for kids to become doctors or teachers. And it wasn't just mine. It was all of us. And I've told you about Bill Allred, who's over the years has challenged me and helped me and encouraged me. And Ann, you saw her painting the house and doing all that she does for Do Good Store. Well, I've got one more video for you. And it's specific to Bill and Ann and their sponsorship. So it's not just a sponsorship video from someone else. This is your people and this is their story. Watch. How are you doing? I've been missing you so much. I know. I know. We've got to get back over there to see you. Oh, my gosh. And and (laughs) catch up, because the last time we were there was in 2014. You can't rush a moment, so don't even try. Don't even try. 
In 2009, The Simple Church launched a dream of sponsoring kids in Rwanda, Africa through our partnership with African New Life. It grew from Bill and Ann Allred sponsoring Hosiana to over 460 kids who have been sponsored over the last 13 years. And these are just a few of the faces of students we met this summer whose education, discipleship, medical needs, and meals are provided by families that attend The Simple Church. Last month, Bill and Ann got to catch up with Hosiana and hear personally what Jesus is doing in her life. We really couldn't be prouder yeah. of you, and we wish you all the best in your studies. As educators, we, we really value education, and we're just excited that you're continuing yours and that you're learning nursing. Um, it'll be so always needed and always valuable to uh, the people that you'll come into contact in your community. And so yeah. uh, we just couldn't be happier for you and glad that we're able to just be a little part of your life. In my little ability that I have, I can help someone too. Because I really sometimes sit and think about how my life would be if I, I wasn't able to like to get my education. That is why I always pray, pray a blessing to you because my family wouldn't really afford that. As Hosiana has grown, so has her heart of gratitude for all that God has given her. It's even given her a new dream. Yeah, I've been thinking of this because I used to tell you that my my goal, my aim is to help others as you also helped me too. I prayed about this. I said, please God, I want to like to be a mom to someone as Bill and Anne has been my mom and dad. I've really prayed for this for a while. There is a kid I sponsor too. He's called Gilbert. He's now four, and this year he's now in primary four. Uh, I get a little, but I also share a little. She gets a little and shares a little. Isn't that what doing good is all about? The best part of the conversation with Hosiana is when she shared a song that she wrote that reminds us where our hope truly comes from. It's just you that I need. Yes, I need only you. It's just you that I need. And only you, Jesus. And only you, Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. That was Look at wonderful. Me. I need a whole box of Kleenex now, Hosiana. <laughs> <laughs> These kids, well, they may not be the next president of Rwanda or the next members of parliament. They may not discover the cure for AIDS or end world hunger or lead thousands of people to Jesus. But they might. They just might. Their dreams, plus your sponsorship, will create changed lives. They are worth it. Come on, y'all. Come on, that's worth it, isn't it? You're talking about dreaming. I would have never in my wildest imaginations dreamed that there'd be stories like that. But my prayer today is, is that you would consider helping another child dream. They're trying to get 100 kids sponsored, and most of these kids are older kids. They're not the young, cute kids. These are kids that are still left out, the ones that get overlooked. And we put them up uh, out there in the lobby, and for all of our friends in Frisco or watching wherever you are, Vatacutis is up you know, in St. Louis and Washington and Arizona. You can scan the QR code. There's a QR code on our website, and everything's available, but not a penny of it comes to us. It all goes to these kids. It goes to this great organization that helps to meet the needs. And here's the best part. I want to meet my kid one day. You can do that. You can do that. This is the part that's so awesome is that it's not just a partnership where you sit here and go, I don't know if I can really ever get there. You can get there. You can be a part of it. Well, Justin, I need a scripture to encourage me. Here it is, Hebrews 10, 24. In response to all that Jesus, he's the he, has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. There's another church up in Portland that's challenging us. They said, we're going to do 200 kids. I said, shut up while I punch you in the throat, LSU. Come on. 
I'm just picking with him. That's Alan. He's one of our good friends. He, we've gone to Africa with him a lot. He was like, I, don't, I really don't care how many, even if it's just one. If it's just you, then that's one more kid that's dreaming, one more kid with hope. Now, obviously, the need's huge. And I don't know if we can do it on a hangover day like this coming after LSU win. But maybe in the excitement of the victory, you'd say, man, let's be helpful. Let's be kind. Let's outdo each other. And why do we do it? This whole series is going to be because you're thankful. And out of thanksgiving, you give. It's not because, you know, somebody's pressuring you. Oh, my God. No, don't take any pressure. You ain't got the money right now. Don't worry about it. But if you're thankful and you have a little extra money and you're willing to do that, then do it. You talking about perspective? You're talking about cake? We love having big parties for our kids. And this is the reason I had that cake in there is because grand opening cake was good. But when we go and provide cake for all of your sponsored kids and let them have a birthday every time we come in there, there's nothing better. Way better than a grand opening cake is when we get to these villages and we get to cut that cake and share it with all of them and the smiles and the laughs and the joy. And if you need more perspective, I can't leave you with that one Steve Hartman video. You're welcome. And the reason I play this one, so many times in America, we just don't get it. Maybe this video will help you understand why I'm broke, why I am changed, why I will never be the same. Watch. What may look like a house to you is something much more magnificent to the boy inside. What did you think when you saw this place for the first time? We said it's second heaven. Second heaven? Yes. You pass through this before you go to the big heaven. That is what I believe so. He means that literally. And why wouldn't he? Abraham and his brother James are from Sierra Leone. They were homeless before finding their way to an orphanage and eventually to their new family outside Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh. Joe and Jamie Walker adopted them last fall, and they say the boys have been wide-eyed with wonder ever since. It's fun. Every little thing that we take for granted, coming home from the airport and I hit the button to open our front gate, Dad! Everything is magic to them. It's magic. <laughs> Whether it's a present just showing up on Christmas morning or something mundane like a car wash, the kids are constantly blown away. But the biggest surprise, the most profound reaction happened last month on Abraham's 12th birthday. You had birthdays before you came here. How did you celebrate them? That would be a crazy question. Why is that a crazy question? I never celebrate them. I never knew it was my birthday. Happy birthday. So when the song started and his mom appeared with that glowing tribute, Abraham was overwhelmed. When I see the cake, I thought that is the most beautifulest thing I've ever seen. The birthday cake. It's not just a birthday cake. It's a blessing cake. A blessing cake. And what a blessing it is <laughs> that once a year, friends and family gather just to honor our existence. Most of us take that for granted, but not in this house, not anymore. Just being reminded that we need to stop and be super grateful for what we do have. A good wish for America from this American dream come true. I gotta get you out of here because I got a partner party upstairs. And I gotta pull myself together. Whew. You don't know why I'm messed up. So I'm messed up. You want to know why the simple church is the way it is? Now you probably get a little glimpse. And the biggest fear I have right now, my wife's going to see this and say, we're adopting some kids, so y'all pray for them. <laughs> but the truth is, is you know, you go, man, I can't adopt. Too expensive. I don't know even how to work and blah, 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 blah. I get it. But you can sponsor you can sponsor. 
And when you get to Africa and Olivier comes up and gives you a hug and says, calls you dad, or you're like Bill and Ann, and you get to Skype with them and talk to them. You've been a mom and dad to me. Will you deliver those cakes at those villages? Think it matters? Or sit in a more comfortable seat? If we nurture the dreams of children, the world will be blessed. If we destroy them, the world is doomed. That's a quote from West Stafford, Compassion International, one of the greatest men I've ever had the privilege of meeting because he created the whole idea of sponsorship and African New Life has kind of taken off of that same thing. But I want to remind you, when you walk out of here today, there's a bunch of cards, but those cards represent individual lives of young people hoping and praying that somebody will help them. There's QR code. It's not just a QR code. It leads to a life that someone needs to dream. Someone needs hope today. I pray that we will consider doing that. Father, I come to you, and I thank you for the stories. I thank you for the lives. I thank you for what you have blessed me with. I am living the dream. I am so grateful, God, for this church. I'm grateful for everybody who watches online. I'm grateful for all of the people around the world that we get to impact. But particularly today, my friends in Rwanda, let them know, God, we're thinking about them, we're praying for them. And help us, God, to continue to be a part of solving the problem in your name. We love you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.